This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Home and Away on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. I am Maxwell Bombach. It is my turn at the wheel this week and lined up a very interesting guest for us. Uh, So we have with us today uh, Jack Stevens. Jack is currently an assistant basketball coach at the College of Worcester, which is one of the greatest programs in all of college basketball, uh, particularly at the Division III level. He's also a player development specialist. Uh, So, Jack, thank you so much for, for coming on the program with us here today. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're gonna kind of dig into to him and what he does. But up front, um, I always like to do the plugs at the top, just so that way people can find you, everything like that, and it, just in case they tune out early or, or you know, <laughs> at the end of the podcast, they hear us start to wrap up, so they move on to the next show. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, my Instagram, I believe, is just Jack Stevens Training. Mm-hmm. Um, the Twitter is at J Steve Training. I think. That's about it. In the Sounds process of getting a website done, awesome. but that's not sure how how uh, close that is. <laughs> For <laughs> I sure. stay away from that stuff. I don't know how to do any of that. Awesome, awesome. So uh, let's first just kind of get into your journey in basketball, and then we're really going to kind of focus on the player development, uh, the specialization, yeah. a camp that you ran uh, this past summer, and kind of the results that have come out of it. Because uh, there are a lot of guys that were not on my radar, and then kind of heard good things about them coming out of the camp. Uh, word of mouth is, is big in this space. Like you just, you hear things and, um, you know, word had kind of gotten around about you, about guys coming out of your camp. And then sure enough, a lot of these guys really took big strides, uh, this season. So we'll talk about them specifically as well. Um, so let's talk about your history with basketball. Uh, what got you into the game growing up and what kind of fostered your love for basketball? Yeah. You know, I've always, I played basketball from a real young age and always just absolutely loved basketball. My uh, The group of kids I grew up with, we, we were a really talented group. Um, we actually, my, my senior year, we went to the, uh, we lost in the state championship game in Pennsylvania. Okay. And we were sort of, we were unique in a sense of like none of the guys really went on to play for some big time AAU team. We always kind of stayed together, mm-hmm. um, probably from fifth grade all the way up through high school. So we had a great group. And I think that helps a lot in terms of team chemistry and just being able to love the game and, um, you know, being with those kind of guys all the time playing, you build that like rapport with them. And um, so, so that, that's really how it got started was we were just really successful at a young age in basketball. (laughs) And then uh, I guess the better you are, the more serious you take it. So um, our group was really good. So we would go to a lot of tournaments when we were kids. And then Mm -hmm. as we grew older, we just kind of stuck with it. Um, It, it that's, That's where the love kind of came from. Yeah. And that it's so funny. Cause like, I, like that's something like I saw in my own life. Like the, the guy who was like the best player on our high school team was somebody who like was not a basketball fan at all until like we all started playing. Like it was in like sixth grade, yeah. first year our school had a team, we all played together. And then like, he just got more and more into it. Cause yeah. it was like, Oh, this is something we're all doing. We're in this together. And then, you know, he's good and started to get really passionate about it. So it is interesting. Like how that, like that communal experience can really kind of come about. Oh, hundred um, percent. Yeah. And I think it helps a lot in terms of team success as well, obviously. You know? Yeah. 
yeah, when you have everybody kind of bought in on the yeah. same page, getting along in it together, it, it does make a huge difference. Um, so yeah, so you go to a, a state final in high school and then what comes after that? What was like, what were your college mm -hmm. basketball prospects? Like, was it something where you're like, I want to keep playing. I want to yeah. get more into the coaching side. Like what was the next step for you at the time and how did things sort of shake out? Well, well actually real quick, the team we lost to in the state championship was uh, Colin Gillespie at Villanova. Oh man. Okay. Okay. They were like one of the best teams in the country. It yeah. was <laughs> No it shame in crazy. that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's okay to lose to them. Yeah. No, it was crazy. But uh, so I, out of high school, you know, I, I was I knew I wanted to play college basketball, but you know, I you don't really know how possible that is until you really get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it was something I was wanted to do. So my senior year in our team, we we were really good. Um, mm -hmm. My job was pretty much pass the ball and play defense. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, it's hard to get recruited by colleges if you're not scoring. You know, yeah. a lot. It helped that we it helped that we were winning a lot, obviously. Um, so a lot of like local Division three schools had reached out to me, or I had reached out to a couple of colleges and talked with coaches and whatnot, and um, I think that helped a lot. But then ultimately, I, I chose to go to Worcester because I knew eventually I wanted to get into coaching, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean it doesn't get much better than Worcester, especially in the Division three space. Um, Coach Moore and Coach Kleiner, two of the best coaches in the history of college basketball. Coach Moore is one of the winningest coaches in the history of college basketball. So I felt like I wanted to be somewhere where I would learn a lot um, and I would get that experience and I felt like I would become a better coach from it. Mm -hmm. So actually I, I talked to them about coming to Worcester and, you know, being a, uh, like a student assistant. Um, so ultimately I chose doing that over playing at some other uh, division three schools. And it, it was a really, really good decision for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned so much from these guys and, yeah, it's been tremendous. Yeah, so for people on the outside, because like I went to a D three, so like mm -hmm. I know Worcester because like I, I was also at a D three, and I think a lot of people that like aren't familiar with D threes, like are not familiar with just like how dominant Worcester has been. So could you kind of walk people through just like, yeah, what Worcester has done at the Division oh for sure, and I think I, I want to start with the fact that like, I think Division three basketball is incredibly underrated from it people is, that yeah. don't really know what it's like. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, our, our team is, we have a lot of talented guys that were tremendous players in high school. And um, I think a lot of people kind of look down on division three sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it's great basketball, but um, yeah, Worcester and coach Moore, coach Moore, coach kind of, like I said, are two of the best at it ever. Mm -hmm. um, they, they built such a tremendous program here. I think we have uh, since 1990, I think we're third in the country in any division in winning percentage behind mm -hmm. Gonzaga and uh, in Kansas. Yeah. So like, that's what we're dealing with. Like when we're saying like, yeah. you, you know, you wanted to get into coaching and like, this is why it made sense. Like, this is why it made sense. Oh, like, this is a historically yeah. dominant yeah. college basketball program. And, and I agree with you hundred percent about division three. And I think one of the biggest things that people don't understand is just even like how good the coaching is like talent mm -hmm. level alone. Like in, cause there was a kid, I covered the, the Under Armour finals event in, in Chicago recently. There was a kid with a ton of mid-major scholarship offers. I was talking to a head coach at a division one school who was very interested in a player on this team and he went he's he's going to university of chicago which is a d3 because it's yeah. like they've got unbelievable academics and you can still play sports there like there are a ton of good players and the coaching is really high level no, i i did i did uh i commentate i did not play college basketball i did commentary for the men's and women's teams at my college That's awesome. um and the men's head coach at our college had been cba coach of the year 
when CBA was like the G League for the sure. NBA. So he coached guys like Kevin Ollie and Adrian Griffin and things like that. And he's coaching Division Three basketball. Like yeah. there, there is no shortage of talent. There's no shortage of great coaches. Like it is, it's good. It's really yeah. good, especially when you get into those upper echelons. It's so, really interesting too, because I, I think, you know, a lot of, obviously Division Three is no scholarships. So you have guys that are playing just because they love to play basketball. They're not going to school for free for it. You know, they're, they're just, they just genuinely love basketball and they love competing. So it's really neat. Mm -hmm. so, so you go to be a student assistant. Um, what would you say your familiarity was with like the coaching side of things? And how, how did that perception change? Like once you got on campus and started to work as a student assistant, sure. like, were you really close with coaches? Did you have coaches in your family or anything like that? Or was it just sort of like, I know I want to do this, but I, yeah. I'm not totally sure what I'm getting into. Um, my, my family's big basketball fans and everything, but in terms of coaching, especially in college, it was, it was sort of foreign to me, but I knew that's what I wanted to do, you know? So I figured I just had to learn as much about it as possible. Um, and I think you, you probably always think, you know, stuff, before you actually get into it. So I, you know, I yeah. felt like I knew what it was and what, what it entailed. But um, once you really get into it, you realize how much preparation goes into it, how much time and, and the hours spent. Um, it, it really, I mean, Coach Klein watches more film than anyone I've ever met. It's, it's amazing. Like, yeah, but, but that's really like what goes into it. And I don't think you, I don't think that's something a lot of people understand until you really get into it, you know, um, and the biggest thing, to be honest, one of the neatest parts about uh, the program here at Worcester is, you know, it extends beyond basketball and like team building and whatnot. And um, I really feel like that's a huge piece that I didn't even think about coming into coaching. But like Coach Moore, the guy who was the head coach before the current one, Coach Klein, and Coach Moore is really the one that kind of built this program up. He uh, he's amazing at that. Like he's genuinely one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet, and um, just was really good at making guys feel like they're part of a family and um, getting guys to buy into like a team idea. And and that's to me that that's been the biggest thing that I've learned about. So. Yeah. And, and to your point about the amount of work that goes into coaching um, it's, it's wild. And like, even like at lower levels in college, like my, my dad was a, a women's high school coach for a long time. I have a brother-in-law who's, who's a high school coach at the moment. And like, these people take it seriously. Cause like when you're the coach and you're the one who has to, has to answer to at the, at the high school level, it's parents. I, I'm sure you still deal with that at the college level to an extent, but players as well. And like, you have to rationalize your decisions. You have to come up with a scheme. Cause if you want players to be bought in, they have to know that, that you're oh. setting them up for success. Yeah. Like there's so much that goes into it that like, you can't, you can't leave those things on the table. And yeah, just no, like the amount of work behind the scenes that goes into it is, is really drastic. Um, so when you were working as like a student assistant initially, what were your kind of like day-to-day -day like responsibilities? Like what did, what did that role look like for you? Yeah. I mean, obviously I, st I still had to go to class and everything. So that was, <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to class and, you know, my mind was kind of unique, I think, cause I had, uh, I had already started doing the training stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was doing some skill work with a lot of our guys and, um, and I had started to build relationships with, you know, just the high school basketball community through, uh, through my training stuff. So, Every once in a while, you know, even as a sophomore, junior in college, I'll go to a high school game and go watch a kid or something like that, which um, which was really cool, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they, they had put a lot of trust in me, I think, to do a couple things like that. and um, I really benefited a lot from that and kind of thrown into the fire type thing. But it was really just a lot of, you know, I would watch film and um, 
do some recruiting and reach out to guys and skill development, help out in practice when needed. And so mm-hmm. really a bit of everything. Yeah. So let's, let's start to dive into, um, the skill development a little bit. So that's yeah. sort of what, what I knew you for was just that, that background. Um, so how did this come to be? Like, how do you become sort of somebody that people go to directly for like, I, I want to develop and I want to work with you specifically on these things. Like when I'm not with my team and it's the off season and I could just kind of go shoot around on my own, or I could go to somebody else. Like what was it that led people to coming to you and how did that all start up? Yeah, that's, that's a question I ask myself a lot. Actually, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, um, you know, it started with a, one of my teammates in high school is one of my best friends to this day, still Armani Foster. He's the point guard in Buffalo. Yeah. 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 He was one of the best division two players in the country over the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, you know, growing up and everything. And then especially our senior year of high school going into going into college, it was like, we spent a ton of time in the gym. You know, uh, we go to our high school in the mornings over summer and just, and then like, no, nobody in our area really did skill development. It wasn't like a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we would just go to the gym and just make stuff up and just do whatever we could think of. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got to Worcester and I, I would still work on my game and stuff. And um, two of our seniors then, Alex Baptiste and Spencer Williams, went on to play overseas. Okay. And they saw me doing the stuff in the gym and they were like, hey, you know, could, could you help us out some? You know, mm-hmm. we want to head overseas and we, we need some work and uh, started doing that. And that was the first time I ever did something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one, Alex, he told me, you know, he plays in France now. He told me, uh, you know, you ought to put this stuff on social media. And I was really against it because I was, you know, it seemed a little corny. Like I, but you know, <laughs> I eventually did it and, mm-hmm. and it just kind of snowball effected. It grew real quick. Um, and I think, like you said, it's a big word of mouth thing. And if I work out with a guy and then he might tell his teammate, you know, or stuff like that, and social media helps a lot too. Yeah. And you, and like, I get where you're coming from, right? It can seem kind of corny. Cause like you hear all the time, like I hear from people in coaching circles, big, like, Oh, these like Instagram trainers. Exactly. Like you hear like that I, phrase. I try to avoid that as much as possible. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah all, so- I only do a couple of the videos here and there. Like mm-hmm. um, I try to avoid that stuff, but it, it is sort of necessary to a certain degree. That's the thing. Like it's, it's like, you have to walk this fine line of like, yeah. I need to promote what I'm doing and I want people to know, like, if you can come here, it's going to be reputable. But at the same time, you want to avoid, like, I, I don't want to put stuff on there. That's like, silly. right. Like, I don't want to be like hamming it up or like, yeah. too much. so the, the stuff, I, the stuff I do post on social media from the workouts, I, I try to make just very raw video. Like this is literally what happened in the workout. Not, not a lot of like, you know, edits and music and stuff. I try to avoid all that. <laughs> For sure. It gets, it gets, I don't know. It, it gets a little corny to a certain. A certain <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're gonna circle back to to the skills training in a minute. So now you are, um, just you were a student assistant. Now you're just regular assistant coach at Worcester. Yeah. Um, what was that change like, and like what kind of led to them making that type of offer to you? Because uh, like there's a lot of schools that have a student assistant. They graduate and then yeah. on, on to the next. So. Um, what do you think it was that kind of led to you being somebody who they kept around within the program? Sure. I, th- I think that, I mean, the timing worked out. So coach Moore had retired going into my senior year mm-hmm. um, and coach Klein, who was the assistant for a really long time after he played here, took over as the head coach. So, and then my senior year was the COVID year where we, we only played like five games. They weren't even real games. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even have an assistant that year. And we just waited until the next year to when I had graduated and then, 
um, you know, I've, I must have done a half decent job as a student. That's <laughs> where they felt comfortable bringing me back, I guess. Yeah. Um, the transition was, it was interesting because uh, our senior year, we really didn't have a full-time assistant. So my, um, you know, my role had kind of increased a little bit going into senior year. Mm-hmm. So the bit, to be honest, the biggest change was I didn't have to take classes anymore. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> yeah. I had a lot more time on my hands. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, obviously the recruiting stuff picks up a lot. And, yeah. Um, a lot more preparation. I mean, it was pretty pretty much what I was already doing as a st- assistant, as a student, but just, mm-hmm. you know. Bigger in every group. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's go back to the, uh, the, the player development. So you mentioned like you had a couple guys that had, had gone overseas that played. How did it then kind of snowball into what it's become? So like you've got a couple of guys like yeah. international, um, you've got some good, good college talent, um, but not necessarily household names. And like now, like last year, like it started to turn a little bit where it started sure. to be guys now that like people that are on like draft Twitter or even people that are like watching a big 12 game. So will see like a Jaron Holmes and be like, that's yeah. a player I know. And that's something yeah. that we've worked with. Um, how did, what kind of led to that, that steady growth uh, that got you to where you are now? I really, I mean, it's just hard work every summer, you know, it started out with, a. Uh some high school kids and uh, a couple of division three, division two guys that were from my area in Pennsylvania. And then uh, I actually coached an Adidas, a U team, a team on the Adidas circuit, OBC. Okay. Uh, and we had a bunch of guys that were division one guys and I worked them out in Cleveland. And then the following summer, I really shifted my focus to Cleveland, a uh, much greater talent pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I started getting a couple, you know, division one, division two guys, some pros would come in. And then the following summer, it really was just – it really blew up. And then this this last summer at, uh, at Hoop Tech in North Ridgeville, which is west of Cleveland, um, mm-hmm. it was very focused on um, those – a lot of really prominent college guys and then some really good pros, Amar Spellman, Derek Corden, Nate Booth, Kipper Nickel, guys like that that are real, you know, like legitimate pros. So it, it went really well. Yeah, yeah. So like you mentioned a guy like Amari Spellman, like obviously like a guy who's, who's had – pretty long professional career at this point. Like this yeah. guy who's like a first round pick in the NBA draft, like real deal pro player. Um, and then, yeah, like the, a real, just nice mix of, of talented college players. So let's talk a little bit about just real quick. We'll just touch on the names of guys that were there and then what that camp looked like sure. uh, this past summer that you did. So let's run through the names and we'll kind of dig into like what they've been up to. Since. Definitely. Um, and the camp, it, you know, spanned over about three days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of put everything that we do in the whole summer condensed into three days Mm -hmm. um we had marquise barnett from presbyterian who's a kid that i think is really really good and he's going to keep getting better he has two years left after this year great defender um great athlete too and he's improving all the time uh dale bonner from baylor jaron holmes iowa state uh rashma parks at detroit mercy gus ogafor wichita state Dwayne cohill youngstown state um abu North Texas, um, Derek Fountain, LSU, mm-hmm. Shraz White at UNC Wilmington, um, Seth Wilson, West Virginia. Oh, I'm forgetting. Uh, Luke House at Walsh. This is Division Two. He's a really – he actually got hurt, messed up his knee, missed a oh, whole man. year. Okay. Um, but a tremendous Division Two player. He was there for about a day and a half because he had to work the other one. I'm, I'm missing somebody. Um, uh, Christian Guess, who had played – at a couple of division ones. 
Okay. He, he had a really good year at Sanford, and he, he was kind of trying to figure things out. So we came and worked out. And, um, but, no, it, it went really well. Um, you know, and a lot of the college guys that I work with in the summer were not able to come, whether they took an international trip or they couldn't get there in time. Um, you know, so it's, I mean, I, I work with a lot more guys than were just at the camp. Mm-hmm. But uh, For sure. Th- those were the camp guys. Mm-hmm. And when you put together, like, this sort of – camp event um how do you lay it out like what does your structure look like like what is it what is a day in this camp sort of look like so actually you know i wouldn't have been able to do it without a ton of help from uh, a couple local high school coaches and trainers and stuff like that which it was a huge help because obviously i can't run really the way it worked was uh in the morning we do a skill workout and we'd split it up into three separate workouts all at the same time um so we might have had the bigs at one hoop um you know wings at one hoop and then point guards, combo guards, and one hoop. And then they were all doing their own kind of thing that I had already structured and laid out in, in a plan. Um, so it's that, and we started out with the workout, which was great. It, it went for about an hour and a half, um, you know, ball handling, some IQ stuff coming out of different kind of, kind of screens against different coverages, um, just straight skill work, you know, scoring off the dribble, creating space, shot making, stuff like that, passing. Um, and then after the after the skill work, we uh, we lifted. I had a strength and conditioning coach there, um, Mike, and he, he does a tremendous job. He's actually at Kenyon College, which is in the same uh, conference as us here. At okay, but he, he does a really good job. So he run the strength part, you know, stretch guys out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so we did strength work, and then we probably just got lunch. The guys went back to the hotel, or the local Cleveland guys went back home, and then we would come back in and. Uh, just get a lot of shots up. We'd play live at night. So the one night we did four on four on four cutthroat, which was really okay. cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next night, I think we did a uh, – I brought in five pro guys, really, really good players, and we did five on five that That's way. Awesome. And then, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. Actually, um, after the lift, every day we did recovery. So two mm-hmm. of the days we did yoga, and one day we went to a, a cryotherapy place, uh, Restore Wellness in Westlake, mm-hmm. which is just north of the gym over by Cleveland. That's really cool. So, so that's kind of your, your schedule and things like that. So just kind of gives us some insight in like, what, what does this look like? Like, what are, what are these guys really doing in the off season? Cause you always hear like, Oh, this guy's putting in work. Like I think for a lot of people, like they don't understand, like it is a full day. Cause I, I think for so many people, um, they didn't. And like, I'm seeing like for myself too, like if you didn't play sports at a high level, like it's really hard to conceptualize like how much work goes into yeah. it. Cause like you just think of like, well, yeah, like when I played basketball in middle school, we'd have like a two hour practice every day and that was it. And like, that's right. not, that's not what it is when you're at that level. Like it is a full day. It's, it's going and it's doing skill work. It's working on very specific yeah. things. It's, it's getting in a lift. It's recovering and focusing on like developing your body, making sure that you yeah. can still go making sure that you're not putting yourself in a position to get injured. And then it's getting in those live reps. Like I think, so often people just focus on like what their experience in sports was like and don't understand like it is not like that it's no, not absolutely, like absolutely for these guys yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean a lot of the even like the local cleveland guys you know uh for instance dale bonner at baylor yeah probably 25 35 minutes to the gym every day in the summer to work out i mean that's mm-hmm. you know the, the gym is in north ridgeville which is right by cleveland but you know, it's, it's about a 20, 30, even a 40 minute drive for some of the, some of the local guys and that they're there almost every day. Um, they're probably lifting beforehand to lift right after taking great care of their body. So it is, man, it's, they, they get after it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a lot of commitment. 
Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, I kind of want to run through uh, like a couple guys from the camp, uh, guys who've really sort of stood out to me um, during this season that were at that camp and that had worked with you. Um, One that we had just kind of come up for me again the other day was uh, Derek Fountain at LSU Um, just had himself a real nice game. Um, He's scoring 7.8 points per game, almost six rebounds a game really makes his mark on defense. Uh, He is got a lot of size. He's 6'9", 210, junior, uh, 1.6 steals, 0.5 blocks per game at LSU this season. Um, Where did you kind of see the most growth from from Derek this past offseason? Because here's a guy who was at Mississippi State, uh, did not get a lot of run, and now his minutes have have more than doubled in a new environment at LSU – uh, with the transfer portal and like, he's just looking like an absolute force on mm-hmm. So where did you kind of see his, his growth come from this offseason? So De- Derek was one of the guys not being from Ohio that had flown all the way up just for the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy that was with us for the camp that I think this coming summer, ideally we'll probably have a lot more time with in mm-hmm. Cleveland, which would be huge. Um, Cause I think he, he can be really, really good. And that's yeah. showing now because he just he plays so hard, man. That's the first thing that you really notice when you watch him mm-hmm. is he, he just plays hard. And yeah, those, those are the kind of guys that I, I love working with too. That you know they they just absolutely get after it. Um, mm-hmm. and you can see, man, he, he just competes. And I think from the camp, um, to to be honest, the number one thing that stood out to me from the camp was just how great a person he was, wow. like how much okay. fun he was to be around, and like mm-hmm. and it, it's a really neat thing. It's like these guys are from all over the place. Most of them didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. And all, like right away, he was one of the guys that like was just talking to everybody and everybody sort of like attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first thing I noticed was just, he's like a genuinely great person. Um, well, and that's, and that's so important too, because it's one of those things where it's another one of those things. Like if you're not in it, it's really easy to lose sight of mm-hmm. that. Like ultimately like when you are a team and if you are dealing on the margins, if you're looking at like, if you're like an NBA team, for example, and you're looking at like, who do we want to give the last shot to in a training camp? Like who's going to be the last guy that we invite in here? Training camp is, is over. And there's a couple guys that we feel talent wise are about in the same range. Like being the better coworker is something yeah, that can uh, give you the edge. Like being, being the person. Yeah. yeah. Like being the better teammate, the person that's more enjoyable to be around the person that you want to be on a road trip with. Like the, the margins are so thin, the further down you go that like, that can be the difference between like getting a contract and not. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why that stuff matters. Cause I think a lot of times people be like, Oh, like, why do I care if somebody's a good character guy? And it's like, cause that, cause that can make a big difference in prolonging your career that can get you more contracts. It really helps with word of mouth, getting yeah. recommendations from teammates and things For like sure. that. So people, people can sleep on that at times. Um, um, but he, he, he was, I mean, he was just such a great person. Um, you know, and you can tell, like nobody's flying halfway across the country for three days worth of workouts. Yeah. Unless they really care about what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, he was a guy that just the whole, the whole time, no matter what, no matter who was coaching him, no matter what we were doing, whether it was the yoga or the skill work, like he was absolutely locked into what we were doing. And that, that really, that really stood out. And it shows when he plays, he, he's, yeah. he, he's so, he just play, I keep saying he just plays so hard and that stuff really separates him. Man. Yeah. And that's a guy with, two years of eligibility left it's six nine who's like going on this real nice stretch of games and it's like that guy might just be one summer yeah right? and he's, already, just he's like got really pretty good touch and i think mm-hmm. you know the more skilled he gets and the more experience he gets he could really he could really make a name for himself he already is 
I think, you know, he started the last five or six games. He's yeah. averaging over the games he started, I think, 12 and 8 on 60%. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so, and it's a good environment for him because, like, like you mentioned, like the, the free throw percentage is good. Like there's definitely a level of like touch there. Um, but getting to play with KJ Williams, who's sort of like a stretch big man, really allows him to do that stuff on the interior. But yeah, yeah over the last five games, 12.2 points per game, 8.8 boards, two steals, 0.8 blocks, yep. 65.7% from the field. He's so a winner, he's, man. He gets he's the job done. done efficiently. So yeah. really enticing guy to keep an eye on. And I think, LSU is kind of slid under the radar because there was so much roster turnover, new coach. Like, I, I don't think people were expecting them to be this good of a team. Um, so if you haven't seen them yet, check them out. Keep an eye on Derek Fountain. Um, uh, another guy that's kind of like a, a bigger name uh, was Jaron Holmes, who played three years at St. Bonaventure. Now at Iowa State this year. Um, Iowa State been a really interesting team to follow the last couple of years because they were really kind of in the gutter as a program. Otzelberger comes in, turns it around. They lose their star point guard to Texas in the transfer portal. They get a new point guard in in Jaron Holmes, and he has been a very steadying force. They're a ten and two team oh. in a power conference. Um, talk a little bit about about Jaron's game and and what you saw from him. So he, he uh, I mean, the, the first thing again, you've already started out with two great guys. Like when we we're when we we're playing the pickup against the pro guys, like he he took it. You could tell like he. I think a lot of times in a pickup game or open gym, you can kind of just phone it in, get your shots up, you know, talk a little bit, try to play. But he was absolutely locked in. Like he's coaching guys on the court. He's yelling. Actually, him and uh, him and Dale Bonner, I think, were on the same team, and they were part. They like he was Dale made a three, and Jaren's running down the court yelling. Like you know, it was really cool to see. Like he was a genuine leader in that mm-hmm. sense, and um, really a competitor. And that was it showed in the workouts too. Man, he was a lot of energy the whole time, absolutely locked into what was going on, but he is super skilled. Yeah. Rarely was missing shots. Handle was super tight. Um, and he was really eager to, you know, and that, that was somebody, that was the first time I had ever met him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's in the gym and even just the first day, he's very eager to, you know, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Like it, it was, it was a ton of fun to work with him. Yeah. He just has a very, polished game like his game like he's a guy that like and he has a really big offensive burn at at iowa state like they are a very defensive oriented team um so offensively like a lot of the burden falls on his shoulders like he's he's a better scorer than like the percentages are going to indicate um but like just on defense like he knows where to funnel guys he's he's very strong yeah. can play with pace and hesitation and his guy's pace is great yeah yes yeah and like he's very under control yeah mm mm-hmm yeah really good with the hostage dribble coming off a screen like can hit threes off the dribble like a lot of just the mature guard play that you would want and in a a graduate or senior guard like he's got it so um one of those guys that i think like if he gets into like a portsmouth or something like that could just like really string together a couple big games and like put himself on the radar in a big way yeah i agree completely um so someone else that you've touched on uh a guy who like i love like it's just been one of my favorite players to watch this year is dale bonner at baylor yeah. uh one of just the best guard defenders in the country um he's averaging over two steals a game isn't he yeah 2.3 yeah. steals per game and 25.4 minutes per game yep uh just does wonders for them defensively 
uh, around four assists per game too, in, in those type of minutes. So just a guy who really knows how to play basketball. Uh, but on the defensive end in particular, like mm-hmm. so can can be really sneaky. Plays with a ton of toughness. Uh, love his game. What did you kind of see out of him? Because I believe he was the guy who started. Did he start at the Division Two level or JUCO? Yeah, he, he was not in Division Two with Fairmont. Uh, okay, Fairmont's a powerhouse Division Two, mm-hmm. but that jump is, you know, I think you can see in a lot of guys who make that jump from D two D one. It's tough at first, but I think he's done a really good job. And this is his second year now, but um, mm-hmm. he, he's done a great job. And he, he's another one that is incredibly skilled. Like if you watch him in a workout, his feet are amazing. You know, he's got the ball on his string, rarely loses the ball, no matter how hard he's going. Um, he's another one that's like workhorse. You know, he mm-hmm. shows up to the gym every day, always on time. He always lifted beforehand or he's lifting after. Um, you know, and he, again, another one is just a really, really genuinely good person and you love having around in the gym. He's he's a winner, man. He really is. Um, he is. Yeah, like he is like – I he is one of the best like plays the right way guys yeah. in college basketball. Like it's such like a corny cliche, but like that's steel honor for you. Oh, that's huge. And to be honest, those are like, I keep saying it, but like those guys that get after it and you can tell, like just watch them play their winners, you know, mm-hmm. those are the kind of guys that I love having in the gym, you know? And that, and I think that shows a lot with a lot of these guys. They're just, they get out there. They're competitors. Like, I think those are the guys that ended at, at the end of the day, you want on your team. And Dale, Dale's one of those guys. Yeah, like this is a guy who I think is going to have like a real chance at, at carving out a, a pro career because mm-hmm. like the defense is like massive, like yep. period point blank. Like he's one of the best guard defenders in college basketball. Like that's that, that in and of itself, like you're playing that kind of defense in a power conference. Like you got a shot to play professionally somewhere. Um, the passing is really good. Like he's averaging almost four assists to 1.5 turnovers. Yeah, really high IQ player. They yeah. play like three guard lineups all the time. So like he doesn't, even get to show as much as he's doing so like he's putting up those kind of assist numbers but like he's playing with adam flagler he's playing with lj crier he's yeah. playing with keontae george he's playing, playing his role well man he's, he's doing his job yeah yeah so like he's he's scoring six points per game but like he's hitting 36 percent of his threes like he is taking a back seat and like willing to do that and doing it very well and it's one of those things where it's like you throw this guy on a lot of other teams and those numbers would be much higher than Oh, yeah. like, and again, Division Two basketball is tremendous, especially certain part like teams yeah. like Fairmont State are great. But he was a killer at Fairmont. I mean, mm-hmm. if you watch this film from Fairmont, he just dominated every. It was he's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like look, he's doing the power conference guards. Like he's he's putting these guys in, in really bad spots. Yeah. Um, the last guy I want to run through with you has been like one of like I like we we call him like my guys on our site where it's a guy that it's like. I'm like, I'm dying on this hill. Like I just enjoy this guy. I like his game. I think he's got a better shot at like an NBA career than, than people are giving him credit for Dwayne Cohill. Yes, sir. At Youngstown state is a monster. Um, he came onto my radar via the Notre Dame game. So they played Notre Dame early in the year. He has 18 points and six assists in that game. And like, he just got into the paint every single time he wanted to. And it's very rare to see any college guard, like just have that ability against a power conference school, but particularly when it's somebody at a Youngstown state and you're not expecting that. And it's like, Oh man, like that's different. And then he goes on to play Wright state and he drops 43 points on <laughs> and Wright state is like not a bad team. Like they are a, a rock solid oh, team. Yeah. 
and he puts 43 on him. Um, he is a six, two guard. Uh, I believe he's in his fifth year. I started at Dayton before going to Youngstown state, but he's a walking paint touch. He is shooting 57.9% on twos, which for a six, two guard is ludicrous. Um, he doesn't take a ton of threes, but over the last two seasons, he is now taken. Let me get this pulled up here. Um, he's taken over. It's like 123s or something he's like that. Him down. He's yeah. 41% last year, 56.5% on 3.1 per game this year. So like 3.1 a game is nothing to sneeze at and he's hitting them. So we're ultimately like, again, like mid-major players, people get skeptical, whatever. But this is a guy who's averaging 18 points per game. Who's getting into the paint whenever he wants. He has a reliable outside shot. He is a really active defender and a really good athlete. Like, he's not on the radar yet. And like I mentioned like Portsmouth earlier, like this to me is a guy who could like get into one of those events and just yeah. blow the doors off people. Like, right. I don't think people realize what's going on with him yet. And he's awesome. Yes. He's absolutely killing. Well, would you say he shoots from two? Uh, he's 57.9%. That's amazing. The, the, the type of shots that he's taking in the lane. Mm-hmm. Some of those are tough shots. Yeah. Like, his body control is incredible. I say all the time, I've never seen anyone in my life that finishes at the rim as good as he does. Um, yeah, it's crazy the stuff he does with the ball around the cup. It's it's wild. Um, but he's super high IQ guard, very skilled. His skill just keeps getting better. Obviously, he's shooting the ball really well. He's another one that he's just he's a competitor. He's a winner. Like he he's got he's got everything you need. Good athlete. He he understands how to play. I mean, he's Dwayne's really good. It's yeah. it's so I I pulled up the synergy numbers just because I was just curious. So at the rim, he ranks in the ninety third percentile in college basketball, which is like big man numbers. Like right. that, like those are the numbers that's of like a big man that you just like feed for open dunks and yeah. not a guard who gets there by himself. Um, he's probably so up there in wall screen offense too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he is scoring 1.52 points per possession like (laughs) that is absurd like that is like as close to a guaranteed basket as you can get yeah 97th percentile uh scoring out of pick and rolls like it's it's ludicrous like like these the type of like small major guys like low major mid major guys that like always get kind of overlooked like terry taylor a couple years ago out of austin p where it was like oh yeah no he's just a terry taylor fan yeah yeah like he was just like dominating people game in game out and it's like oh like it's it's like those schools like it doesn't matter it's like no like when you're doing this kind of stuff like you should probably take notice what's happening and like Dwayne is like that kind of guy uh and he's like one of those guys like i i try to bring up people as much as possible because like it's it's wild what he's been doing he's been playing great and then they're winning. They're a really good team. Youngstown State is a really good team, experienced team. Mm-hmm. I was at their game against uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, which is a great game. Uh, but they're a really good team. So they, they, yeah. can, they can do some really good things. For sure. Yeah, they are 10 and 5 to start the year. And it's been like one of those things where, like, that's just another one of those programs that's just been like on a real steady ascent. Like, yeah. uh, Jared Calhoun's the coach there, took over. They were 13 and 21 the year before they were eight and four in his first season, really kind of building off the ground. And it's just like slowly getting better and better win percentage wise every year. And now they're, now they're 10 and five. Yeah. They so, did a great job there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just a, a program to keep an eye on, but a player to, to go out of your way to check out um, as well. So yeah, that kind of does it for me. Anything else like that you want people to, to know about like your work or, or what you've been up to? I don't think so. You know, I try to 
the less people know about what I'm doing, the better. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. Well, well, we appreciate you taking the time and coming on with us because I think the skill development thing is something that's so overlooked. And I think it's, it's fascinating. People like learning about that process and just knowing like how much work guys are putting in on. Uh, it's interesting to talk to somebody too, who's, who's having real success with it. And we can put a couple extra guys on their radar and, and kind of get the word out about what you're doing, get people following you. Like it's, it's good. It's good for basketball. They have more people out there that are, are developing talent and helping guys get further along in their game. No so, uh, yeah. So we appreciate you coming on, make sure you're following them on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, it was, I believe J Steve training for the Twitter handle. And then what was the Instagram as well? Jack Stevens training, I believe. Jack Stevens yeah. training. Perfect. So awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, so fun. make sure you're Appreciate following it. him uh, and you can always uh, make sure you're subscribed to the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed as well and subscribe to our sub stack, noceilingsnba.com, where you'll get all of our writing as well. And uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Home and Away. We'll see you guys next time.